Spags, it's Tuesday, which means it's time for a splash play double header here in the Best Ball Mania streets. We are approaching a fast finish to hot Best Ball summer. Yeah, two of Best Ball's most prolific streamers going head to head. And we've got good news today, guys. We are already in the draft room. And you'll never guess what's coming up here. All the slander about Pete not being influential enough to get 101s. Here he is. I'm in the 101. Pete's in the 102. This is fantastic news to start the morning. This is honestly, I, I'm very excited about this. Uh, means I'm going to get one of the two wide receivers I've been wanting to get more of. It also means that I get to block you. You know, coming back on the turn, I get to gatekeep all the selections. I get to troll you. I could, you know, just tease you with snipes just for, you know, stream snipe equity. I have all kinds of things I can do today. Yeah, we are drafting head-to-head, -head, as head-to-head -head as we could be. But, Pete, it may shock you to hear, even though I'm at a little bit over 11%, Justin Jefferson, I'm not going Jamar Chase's way. Team Justin Jefferson with the 101. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's very fair there. I'm Yeah, I'm under on Jefferson because I haven't had too many 101s. This will get me slightly above expectation on Jamar Chase. Over, over 8% now. Feels good to get a Jamar Chase share, even if he's out here telling Joe Burrow not to play for half the season. Yeah, he really wants Joe Burrow to be safe, wants to wrap him in some bubble wrap for himself, but no, he'll be looking like he's ready to go. And, and Pete, good news about the Chiefs, too. Uh, Kadarius Tony looking ready to go for week one, which is an important one. Isaiah Pacheco, which I think was always the case as he was tracking towards being ready. But that's the big news of the week where Kadarius Tony's fallen 30 spots and nothing has changed about his health situation for when the game matters. So uh, does that affect anything for you with you know Kadarius Tony being a guy where I think we expect this to be the case? Well, you know, I, I do think Kadarius Tony's like a unique case right just because his i mean we you always want to be careful throwing around the word injury prone and stuff like this but the dude just is a like the physical embodiment of a setback like just like every single thing so i do think his adp should have dropped regardless right like even people like Karain early on were saying like this adp is insane his his route participate participation even in the playoffs when they really needed him was pretty uh middling from what you would expect from a guy being drafted in the seventh round so i do think the correction should have happened but i do agree with you in general like yesterday i had eli mitchell drop like 20 spots and after the draft i went and looked and it was like oh he got like dinged up and was like day to day and it's like we're dropping guys in a 17 long week long contest two rounds because of like a stinger during training camp and so i do think now is a really good time to kind of scoop up value and people are overreacting to short-term injury news yeah, we talk a lot about, you know, Underdog being the platform we prefer to play at. That is always going to be the case here. Great to stream on, great to play on your mobile apps and all that. But you go on DraftKings and you see anybody with a Q tag or an out tag, and those guys will fall around two rounds every single time out. And you could just stack up those guys, Brees Hall, J.K. Dobbins, you can get at value. So I think we would certainly err on the side of, of you know sanity here, Pete. And a thing that you've preached to me and certainly preached enough on your streams, but um, this is a, you're playing for week 17 first and foremost, but also you're not playing for guys to be healthy in August and um, small adductor strains like Eli Mitchell, like Pete's talking about, uh, Kadarius Tony with an injury timeline that's going to get him back out there. Uh, I just wouldn't change the ADP unless you have other reasons like Pete was talking about for Tony. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, I also think it's reasonable, like, when Cooper Cup, when you live in the ambiguity or, say, like, the information purgatory of, like, how bad is this hamstring strain for Cooper Cup? I do think it's fair to dock, right, and want a, 
um, an injury discount or same thing when we have the specter of some of these free agents signing, it's like, all right, I want a little bit of a discount on Brees Hall right now. There's some smoke with Dalvin cook. I think that's smart, but the like wild overreactions to concrete news and short-term timelines, it is something I think we should totally take advantage of. And it's like, if the whole thesis is that the market is directionally accurate with how they're pricing it, we all have the players we quibble with that are undervalued, overvalued, whatever, but on the whole, this volume of data, and then you have these guys that fall two to three rounds past where the market decided they're appropriately valued. Like that is a screaming opportunity to buy the dip. And on the flip side, when guys like Calvin Ridley arbitrarily move up an entire round based on nothing actionable or tangible to his value, those are the situations I want to be out on. And so I do think it's just kind of parsing those. Like if you want to move up Nick Chubb because you think he has less competition with Jerome Ford banged up that at least I can like buy that kind of thesis. If you're like a guy looked good in training camp, I'm going to move him up around. I, I can't get on board with that. Yeah. And I think too, even with Jerome Ford, like that's a name where, you know, he certainly got hurt. Didn't look great with him, you know, hopping off of the practice field, but it's also an injury now that, you know, if they sign somebody who's a great player coming in, but not going to bring Kareem Hunt back. So anybody who's been holding on to that torch, uh, they hated him. So I don't think that's one that's going to be revisited, but like Jerome Ford shouldn't drop that same day when we find out news and they have an MRI and they're like Jerome Ford tours hamstring. He's going to be out for you know, three months or whatever. Then that's when you bump Jerome Ford down. But just because you see an injury in training camp footage, like, like that shouldn't lead to drops. And, and it happened really pronouncedly again with Ford just yesterday. Yeah. Um, oh, interesting spot here. So Hertz goes at 210 here. I was thinking I was going to maybe pull the trigger on JT. This feels like a nice spot to get a Henry share. I'm a little light on him. And he's probably one of the only running backs now back here at the kind of two, three turn that doesn't have a ton of question marks. So I will grab the guy who I'm told plays the Houston Texans twice in the fantasy playoffs. All right, so this is an interesting spot for me because I really thought you were going to go with old T. Higgins, uh, Jonathan Taylor, the contract stuff. He's got no leverage, but uh, not a play I'm dying to make. So, unfortunately, I am going to take T. Higgins, who I think is the best number two wide receiver around, and I'm going to play a classic hit here that I did on Underdog last night. Christian Watson, Pete, he's not going to last wow. to 48 in this room, but the Christian Watson-Justin Jefferson pairing, my favorite one in best ball for 2023. Yeah, so it's funny. One of the things I'm starting to do lately, and I, I am going to go ahead and um, talking about buying the dip here. I'm going to get uh, a Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Jamar Chase start. Um, but so, yeah, I, you know, one thing I'm thinking about and on the T Higgins stuff in general, I'm just like not a fan of the, the super stacks and using both of your first two picks uh, there. So I don't mind letting T Higgins go. And, and I assumed he wouldn't come back either. If I wanted him, I would have taken him, but I am starting to use the fantasy life best ball hub to look at my combos of players at the top and, you know, starting to think through that. And one of my most commonly drafted players with chase is T Higgins. A lot of that in the third round, but I do want to vary my chase starts. Like I, I do think it would be a mistake if every time you had Jamar chase, you selected T Higgins, which based on ADP, you know, in non-piss boy rooms is pretty viable, right? If you get Chase at one, two, and then you get him coming back in the second round. And so those are the things I'm starting to think through uh, a little bit here as we enter the home stretch. I'm going to have an article out on Fantasy Life on Thursday of ways you can kind of look at those various combos. And it is crazy the stuff that jumps out, Spags. Like I was looking at my Garrett Wilson pairings and my three most drafted players with him are the three players most tightly clustered at the 3-4 turn in ADP, Jameer Gibbs, Keenan Allen, and Jerry Judy. And it's like, it's not that that's even necessarily bad, but it's 
only happening by ADP coincidence, not meaningful correlation. And it's like, I do think I want to vary my exposures. Like I don't want my Garrett Wilson, if he has a crushes and then say like Keenan and Judy flop, which both of them could flop, that could be definitely something that would happen. I wouldn't want my entire Wilson portfolio to get wiped out by those two selections. And so it is something I'm really going to start thinking about down the home stretch. No, I think that certainly makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, we've talked about the idea of drafting, uh, you know, just comfortably over and over again. And sometimes you have to draft out of type a little bit with how you know your tendencies tend to, to show. And I agree, the Fantasy Life tool, we've talked about it. I've mentioned it on some of the solo streams. And I'm not paid by Fantasy Life, so I, I can fully give you guys the cosign of this one that it's the best free tool out there for going on there, getting the information that some of the paid tools have and being able to distill it down like Pete did in his exposure review video. I think it's a great thing to have in your part of your process. So would fully give them the checkout on FantasyLife.com, the new upgraded fantasylife.com um but i think for me too like i i agree like you know if it's a correlation where you always take you know judy with mike williams or keenan allen at least that's a reason why but if just because these guys yes. are lined up together there's no reason why they should go together besides the market deciding their price yeah and i've started to do it too like um you know I've, I've gone out of my way a little bit to try to get some debo samuel and brandon Ayuk pairings because their adps are on opposite sides of the board you know uh debo going at the three four turn and Ayuk going at the four five and i was looking at it, I was like i have zero of these guys and i'm i'm in on the niners i have all of these purdy and howl stacks and week 17 stuff and i didn't have any of those two paired together and it's just because their adps are uncorrelated in a way that makes it uncomfortable to get them in natural fashion. And so I'm not arguing to uh, to throw ADP out the window, but I do think within tiers, I think you can start to dance around a little bit and review your portfolio and make sure, especially on the players that are your favorite players, right? I think that's the best way to do it. Like go look at some of your highest stands and then being like, I randomly have, you know, Keenan Allen on every James Cook team. Do I do I really want that? Because it could just be a random thing that's occurring based on where you draft them and not like you said a purposeful correlation that you're trying to set up. Yeah, and I think that's part of what I've realized too, especially because I have run pretty uh pretty well on the 101 drafting spots getting Justin Jefferson is that I don't think I'm going to have a lot of one-on-ones left with about 35 drafts left in uh, Best Ball Mania 4. So when I'm taking Justin Jefferson now, like I'm a little more inclined to take that Watson reach because those are two guys that I do deliberately want to pair together playing in the Dome in Week 17, as well as all the reasons I've given a lot of love to Watson, just being a young guy who was an outlier in the advanced analytics that I look at. Um, but yeah, it's definitely that time of year, Pete. And have you noticed too on stream that the drafts are getting softer or is because you're on stream so much that maybe you're not getting the benefit of these soft August rooms? Yeah, and I think when I, like, are they getting softer? I still think there's, like, good drafters, but I think there's individual players that are dropping because of news that's making previously gross portions of the draft board feel more palatable. You know, like, even yesterday when Eli Mitchell falls to, like, 150, and sometimes you're staring there at, like, a couple tight ends, Van Jefferson, you're like, wait, Eli Mitchell is here? Like, this looks awesome. So that's what I've noticed is just guys getting pushed down, you know, even a guy like Traylon Burks, who I was taking a ton of, he now falls in a range where I'm like pretty excited of where he's going. And so I don't know if the drafts are getting softer, if it's just individual, you know, players are getting pushed down and giving me more options than I had previously. And you're on the clock here. So what are you gonna do with this pick? Yeah, I've still am not, you know what, the, I think this might be my third draft in a row where I have been trying to boost up my Christian Kirk exposure it was something I've been wanting to course correct on with my big Ridley fade. I'm not a big Mike Williams guy here. I was seeing if I had any other correlations with Tennessee or Indiana in this range, but I'm going to go ahead and take Christian Kirk. 
Yeah, it does feel like Mike Williams falling a lot in rooms I'm in for reasons I don't understand. I guess he's missed some of training camp, so maybe that's the logic there. Um, hmm. All right, so I am going to get Hawkinson here as my elite tight end. Again, I already have the little bet on Minnesota Green Bay, and I'm a little bit light on Joe Burrow, so I'm going to take Joe Burrow here too because I don't think you really want him anyway. And Yeah, we yeah. the same bet. I was going to grab Ayuk there, uh, I believe, even if Burrow uh, was there. Um, so I, if you would have taken Ayuk, I think I would have gone Burrow. I think mm. I was just going to take whichever one uh, you didn't do there. But yeah, I'm happy to to grab Ayuk here. So Spags, through five rounds here, uh, I have two running backs, Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor. I did check the uh, underdog basketball hub. This is also my only JT and Henry pairing, which feels like a good one to have. And then wide receivers, Jamar Chase, Christian Kirk, Brandon Ayuk, and you are uh, a zero RB boy over here. What are you doing? I got Joe Burrow at QB, receiver Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Christian Watson with the big reach there, and TJ Hawkinson. And uh, Watson is the guy that doesn't naturally fall to 48 that often. And if he does, he doesn't fall in rooms that I'm getting the 101. So I'm, I'm doing that here. I got to go out of my way to get my guy. And I think, again, really my favorite Week 17 correlation out there. Um, is there anything like that for you, Pete, where I, I guess you're so player take agnostic where you wouldn't do that, but is there anybody you normally catch yourself, you know, going out of your way to get, especially in certain configurations? Well, I think the one I end up with the most is this Seattle in Pittsburgh game, yeah. partly because I drafted so much, uh, Tyler Lockett early on. Now I'm drafting so much JSN. Pat Fryermuth is one of my most drafted players. Jalen Warren, one of my most drafted. And so that's the stack I have a ton of exposure to. Um, and the one I have to sometimes be like, you know what, let's, let's build out a different stack. Let's do a Jacksonville Carolina stack instead of my millionth, uh, Seattle and Seahawks one. Yeah, I was surprised to find that. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised. I haven't gotten a lot of 102s, but I'm at 4% Jamar Chase, and I really? was a little bit light on T. Higgins as a result of that, too, is at a 7% Higgins. And that's one to me that I would like to figure out how to get more of, but I just don't believe in taking Chase over Jefferson. And uh, I don't know, just a blind spot that I've been finding a little bit more that, you know, again, we only have 35 entries left. I feel like anything that's a gap at this point here, I feel like the human tendency is to want to paper over it and really jam that guy in hard. And I don't know that's the right thing to do at this point. How, how many BBM drafts are you at? I am at, this is going to be number 115 for me, I believe. Okay, so wow. Wait, we're both at 115? This is uh, let me confirm that. But yeah, I did wow. one last night, so that threw me off. But yeah, I've been doing the five days a week of streams. And because there's anybody live, I'm like, I have to just keep streaming. I can't lose these people. So then I just end up doing a bunch. But yeah, this is number 115 for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was going to say 4%. I mean, I have no one that I'm that um, far down on in the first round, which means you are running extremely poor on your one, two uh, yeah. draft slots. So I'm over on Tyreek. I'm, o I'm really over on digs. I have 15% digs, which surprised me, but it kind of doesn't because he's the kind of player I like a lot. I'm over on Brown. I'm over on CD lamb. I uh, know. Yeah. I'm with the field on CD lamb. Basically I'm over on all the receivers on the first round, except Jamar chase, because I just don't get one of twos. So, yeah. and he never falls and it's been a really you know weird situation, but you know, it's one of the things that I don't hate. And I think at this point, it should almost be a feature and not a bug. Yeah, I was going to say if I was in your shoes and it was getting that skewed, like if I was at, I don't think, yeah. So if you were at, let's say if you were at 12% Jefferson and 4% Chase, which it actually sounds like you're pretty mm -hmm. close to, would you down the stretch those last 20, like if you got, say, multiple 101s, would you ever take Chase or would you just be perfectly fine like letting that... ADP randomization dictate your exposure. 
I think I would probably force myself to get in a little bit more chase if I had, you know, continued to run hot there with getting those. But I just think Jefferson's the better play between the two. And that's been a tough thing to to unpack with it because I, you know, I agree it should be closer to 8% for both just because they have similar chances to be the wide receiver one. Um, but I think making the bet on the guy that I believe in more and then being taking the guys later in the round who can maybe pop up there. I think has more appeal to me. So I'd probably try to keep it close to this point. But if I get one of two, it's like I'll take Chase whenever I get him. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, we're about to pick here at the six, seven turn. I was eyeing George Pickens, a guy. He's been coming trying. up. I know. Well, he's, uh, you know, he's still around where he had been going. Actually, you're right. He's up, what, two to three spots? Yeah, he was um, at, he's at 73, I think now. So I am, I've been trying to boost, uh, my Addison exposure a little bit. I really like the Vikings schedule. Damian Pierce. I don't love the like Damian Pierce, Derrick Henry uh, week 17 correlation there. So I'm going to go ahead and grab Addison and then decide what I'm going to do based on your decision here. Okay. Well, Evans is falling. Uh, honestly, Evans is a nice little discount. I don't take him as much as you do normally because uh, he just doesn't align with the pockets. I'm in quite as much. So I'll take Evans here. And I do have some fears. I talked about this yesterday. I have some vague fears of Damian Pierce becoming Christian McCaffrey in the San Francisco-inspired offense in Houston, so I will get one of my shares of Damian Pierce. I'm going to grab Darren Waller here. I'm only at 4.4% Darren Waller. His price has come up. Uh, interesting that he's now flipped uh, Goddard in ADP, but one, he's part of a cohort I'm trying to boost my exposure to, these elite tight ends. Been doing a good job, you know, boosting my pits and Kittle. Not quite as good on the Goddard and Waller. So, like getting Waller here, I also don't have any quarterbacks. So, obviously, Daniel Jones sets up potentially as a backdoor stack here um, if I want to go that direction. So, I add Darren Waller and Jordan Addison. So, I'm at a 2-4-1 build. And you are at a one one four one build, breaking your cherry at running back with Damian Pierce. Yeah, I've been really enjoying some uh, radicalized zero RB drafts lately, hitting the six receivers out of seven rounds at least, and then just laying off position entirely. But this one having Pierce as a value there and nobody else a receiver, I really want to jump up and get, um, I think kind of pushed me there. Um, yeah, there was a chat that I was going to mention here. Oh, yeah. Stepfathers here pointing out uh, that you took Vikings wide receiver three over the guy with a thousand yards, nine straight years. Bold move. I feel like these are the takes, Pete, that I'm really growing the most weary of. And no offense to stepfathers here, but it's like just because a thing happened a bunch and sometimes because a thing happened a bunch in the past doesn't mean it continues to happen forever. And then a guy who's never been on the field has no potential. Like I, that's the worst way to draft to me. No, the, the fattiest part is that take is entirely driven by like one report that like Osborne's playing ahead of uh, yeah. Jordan Addison, so the blocking at, snaps. At, yeah. yeah. The Pat Crane <laughs> yeah. already debunked. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, we know that these rookie wide receivers with high pedigree, they come in and they cuck these incumbent wide receivers. I mean, Osborne is not in the same stratosphere as Addison as a prospect, as a talent. Osborne's fine at what he does, but Addison has so much more to his game than Osborne does. And I will happily uh, continue to take Addison if people want to uh, chase Osborne up draft boards. Yeah. And Osborne, like we showed, we saw spike weeks last year. Like I have no issue with him, but to say that Addison's not a good bet in the Minnesota offense where, you know, we also saw last year, Justin Jefferson, the key to figuring him out was bracketing him and really letting the other guys do the work. They didn't have the guys to do the work last year besides Hawkinson who had those outlier days, but now they do have Addison and now they have Osborne who showed an upside last year. So if anything, if any weeks where Jefferson doesn't get there, you're probably going to see some split production for Osborne and Addison. And 
I don't know. I just think sometimes people, you know, in August, it probably hits me harder, but people not thinking about it the right way kind of frustrates me with part of the process. And the other thing too is, so everything aligns um, really well with the Addison profile as well in that the Vikings have the nut playoff schedule um, as far as getting two home dome games to close things out. They have the fifth highest average team total weeks 15 through 17, which is pretty impressive considering, you know, how many other really good offenses there are. They have a higher projected week 15 through 17 average total than guys like the chargers, you know, other explosive offenses. And then on top of that, you're getting a profile that historically surges down the stretch first round wide receivers in good offenses. You get the dome, like everything lines up for Addison to be a very, very good bet in this specific tournament format. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And that, you know, the bye week bump, people talk about a lot. I know the underdog guys, Josh and Hayden, have always uh, mentioned that in some of their content in season. But um, Addison, too, just being out there and in the mix and really good camp reports so far. I um, can't expect him to be a world beater. He's not going to be Justin Jefferson from day one. I um, mean, he might not even be KJ Osborne from day one. But by the time he gets to week 17 in a potential shootout um, inside, like I think there's a lot of reasons to go to Addison, even if, even if you don't even like the profile. Yeah. Um, Alan, where do you get the projected points week 15 through 17? Um, I know of over at fantasy life, Dwayne, uh, had an article with those in those. I, I think I have his private spreadsheet with that. I know the guys over at ETR did an article looking at the, uh, week 15 through 17 matchups, but yeah, there's a few good articles out there where you can find that info. Yeah, and I like the Lulz episode you did with Brick too, talking about the Vegas over-unders and how they are, you know, reflective of uh, guys being increased from week 15 through 17 and throughout the rest of the year in comparison. Uh, that was one that I thought was helpful too and certainly helped me feel good about Anthony Richardson, who, uh, Pete, we haven't done a show in a week, but boy, the drum beat for AR getting pretty, pretty spicy now. I mean, his ADP ha hasn't really changed, but yeah, it is, it is getting spicy here. Actually, the thing is, is I'm in, I'm in a weird ADP spot where I do. Maybe maybe we live a little with some of these these selections here. Oh boy. What does that mean? <laughs> well, the thing is, let's see here. Hmm. I get really don't. Do you know who I actually the the Sutton Sutton coming out? I I I'll I'll see if you take AR. We'll we'll consider him at uh coming back at 98, but I'm gonna take Sutton here. Okay. I know Kadarius Tony is going to be one of my guys here. Um, I'm going to put him in the queue though, because I would like to think out my second pick. So I have a one, one, four, one right now. Kadarius Tony, I'll have as my, my little bring back for Cincinnati. Um, should get more running backs in. Yeah. Pete, good news. I guess, honestly, you know what? This is good. This is like me being a cult member, welcoming you in Pete. Good news. AR will be available for you because I am taking Kadarius Tony and I am <laughs> taking AJ Dillon to pair with my Christian Watson. So AR right there for you. Yeah, um, sure, we'll do it. I do think it's like, I like the AR and Jonathan Taylor correlation, but now that there's no guarantees that these two are even going to be on the same team, but I'll do it for you, Spags. There you go. I took him ahead of pick 100 for the first time, I believe. Uh, pick 98, just for you, Spags. I mean, are you fine? Because you've thought, I think, even differently for me, where I thought there was a chance that he might not start week one. Now you've kind of been a little more confident that he would start week one. Are, are, is the camp stuff doing anything for you here where he's getting more accurate, the progression's looking good, or is that still, like if he goes nuts in a preseason game, is that a litmus test? Like where are you with AR? What could he take to, to win you over down these last you know, 29 days? I think his ADP 
had always baked in him starting week one. Like if he wasn't starting, um, I think that his ADP should be much lower because at that point you're saying, Hey, I'm just playing for that like week 17, you know, and the playoff angle, right? You're just hoping he takes over at some point. Um, so I assume the market was already thinking he was going to start. So that doesn't really change anything for me. The whole thing for me is, and I will say to your point, I do want to see him look good in the preseason when making those decisions because that's kind of been the knock on him we all know he's this incredible athlete but like can he do the things that coaches ask quarterbacks to do make the easy throws not make mistakes and if he does that that's when we can really start to get excited um but his profile does have a ton of red flags in that um in those categories and so i would like to have some of those concerns put to rest based on how he plays in the preseason i think that will you know give us a feel for how far along is he, you know, relative to becoming like a true kind of pocket passer? Yeah, I don't know that he even has, uh, you know, a 20 pick jump in him left, but I could see a 10 pick jump, you know, being safely in the 90 range closer to where Tua uh, should go, though Tua's not going there today. Um, that to me, I think is where he would go. And I would push back a little bit. I do think the ADP is accounted for the risk of him not starting just because again, as one of the preeminent AR spokespeople out there in the world, I've heard a lot of people go, no, he shouldn't start. He might not play a single game. And it's like that completely misses the meta of team structure and how teams are trying to build now and all that. Um, but I've thought that the worst case scenario is that he didn't start until after their week 11 bye. And now I just think like he's cruising towards week one. He's leading the way with a uh, starter reps, even though he missed that practice for his nose surgery. Um, I I'm fully on the AR team and I really hope that he gives us that preseason game where it gives, gives, gives you some FOMO if nothing else. Even if the ADP doesn't move, I want you to go like, all right, I guess this might be going this way. I've eaten spags. I've, I've weathered, um, some peak Anthony Richardson mania FOMO. So I don't know what, uh, although preseason FOMO does hit a little different preseason yes. FOMO. Like if he does one of those things where say he does like a read option, like fakes the pitch, talks it and like runs it for a 50 yard touchdown. Like that'll be a one round ADP bump, like right there for sure. That, which honestly is in range. He's been doing it in practice, but I'm, I'm excited to see. I'm excited for these next few weeks of him because as an early shareholder, feeling pretty good. And I think that's something I mentioned on the stream I'm doing yesterday. And for people asking for a second draft, I'm going to do a spag stacks on the splash play channel right after this one. So we'll spin the randomizer wheel. We'll do a, a, whatever team it tells me to take. We'll do that on there. So if you want another taste there, go check that out. Um, I feel like this is the fun part for me, Pete, is like seeing my takes start to materialize in real time where Pickens is going off in camp. Watson's going off in camp. Uh, Terrace Marshall's going off in camp relative to whatever that means in Carolina Panthers camp. Um, I'm very happy with this right now. So I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop of like, who's going to get hurt? Who's going to fuck me? Because I'm feel I'm riding on too high of a wave. I mean, there's no, I think Redmond had a tweet about this last year. Maybe it was early in the off season where he's like, there's no better feeling than like closing line value. It is one of the funnest things about being a portfolio drafter. Who's drafted a ton of teams. Like the, my, my recent one like that is I, James cook was my most drafted running back. And like, just the buzz is through the roof. He's jumped around in ADP and uh, you know, that, that feeling it's like, I don't, I don't care what James cook does this year. I, I got the closing line value. I got the training camp hype bump. I was drafting him before it was cool. And uh, it's an intoxicating feeling spags. It's funny too. Cause it's only like with young guys, it's not with Joe Mixon where it's, Oh man, I got Joe Mixon at 85. Like that's probably the biggest ADP discount anybody could have gotten here, which is weathering the storm of Mixon, uh, maybe being cut, then he restructures and he's back. Uh, but I think there's no joy in drafting Joe Mixon at 85, where it's like you get James Cook at 110 and now he's at 80. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa puff, puff my chest out on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, and so someone in the chat said AR over Daniel Jones. So the reason we take AR is because Daniel Jones had a much further ADP and he falls all the way back here and we're able to get both of them. So that's, that's why we played, uh, played it that way. Cause I was legitimately torn between Jones and Richardson, but I was just always going to play it, uh, via ADP there. And, uh, now we get both. And I'm trying to evaluate what's the best decision here for me. Damian Harris, not great camp news. Feels like Latavius Murray could be coming from a little bit. I don't know why Brian Robinson is falling here, though. So I am just going to scoop him up and try to build out this RB room. And uh, I think same thing for my next pick. Uh, yeah, Samaj P. Ryan falling. We know why. Javante Williams getting healthier. But P. Ryan still going to have a role there. Still going to catch passes. So um, I like this running back room with Pierce, Dylan, Robinson, and P. Ryan. Yeah, I am. I think I'm just going to take Dobbs here um, at ADP. I do have Jordan Addison, so we get a little week 17 there. Um, probably going to be done at quarterback, so I don't have to really worry about back stacks, um, but not a ton else that's really uh, interesting to me at this part of the board. I could have maybe taken Dolchich too to like build out my Denver bet. You know, Dolchich Wallers are pretty, pretty fun tight end pairing there, but I still do like Dobbs a lot. And uh, I'm now at Anthony Richardson, Daniel Jones at quarterback, uh, Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor at running back, six wide receivers, Jamar Chase, Christian Kirk, Brandon Ayuk, Jordan Addison, Cortland Sutton, Romeo Dobbs, tight end, Darren Waller. What's your full team here, Spags, through 11? And I'm at QB, Joe Burrow, running back, Damian Pierce, A.J. Dillon, Brian Robinson, Samaj P. Ryan, pretty much all these guys of value. At receiver, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Christian Watson, Mike Evans, and Kadarius Tony, And a tight end, T.J. Hawkinson. Feeling okay about that. So we have a break here before our next picks. I have to ask you, Pete, and I don't know if you're going to save this for the reveal or if I maybe already missed it. The Scott Hansen randomizer. How did this come about? Like, what is the, what was the intro there? Is he just a big fan of your content? Did you meet him through Laird? Like, what's, what's the deal? Yeah, no, I have a, a connect. So Pat Foreman is friends oh, yeah. with, uh, great, with Scott way. Hansen. And so he, yeah, because Scott Hansen did, um, I think it was last summer did a Levitan pod that Thorman helped orchestrate. So, you know, every year I try to pull out the stops to get one uh, really fun uh, big guest. And, you know, we've done Shane Battier uh, before. We, of course, have had Matthew Barry. I tried to shoot my shot with Mina Kimes. People know that that, uh, that failed. Sad trombone. But I wanted to get one really fun uh, big guest for this season of The Randomizer. And, uh, yeah, super stoked to get Scott Hansen. I think it's going to be a fun show, and uh, everyone seems pretty jazzed up about it. I did see you mention the Mina Kimes thing. Uh, if, if we were still uh, situated appropriately with a certain company, uh, she's a big fan of, of that company. Like, she replies to tweets all the time and all that. So that would have been the way in, or it could still be the way in if things... Well, the out. thing is, is I, I have, like you know, a decent amount of mutuals, uh, or people that could put in contact, but I just, I feel like once I put it out there on Twitter and you, it, it, it it's crickets, then it's just like, I just gotta, I gotta take it. He gets a lot of mentions though. Like people are simping 24 seven for me, especially now she's pregnant. I'm sure they're like even more, more niche versions of simping too. But yeah, you know, I think it's, it's possible. She just never saw. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we got, look at, look at all these people who coming out of the woodwork here. Uh, Paul follows me on Twitter, so I might be able to hit him up and see if he can, he can get something. Grassroots her. That sounds like a Tyler thing to see. <laughs> <laughs> She's already been grassrooted pretty well with the pregnancy. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, here, let's see what we are going to have at this upcoming turn. Probably time for me to take some running backs or tight ends. I think you should go tight end. Mm. <laughs> I said it completely unbiased. No reason at all. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. It, how, how much Chig Conquo do you have? Oh, not a lot. Um, Chig was a guy that I've always worried about because of Burks being there. You know, like in the, he never had a good game with Burks. Um, obviously, he's going to get more routes this year. But now you add in Hopkins. And I took him yesterday, but I have overall, across my entire portfolio, 1.1% Chig. Wow. Yeah. I. What am I at here? Oh, he just went. I think I've started to get him a couple more times, 4.4%. I think I'm fine being in that range. I am like slightly more excited about him. You know, I, I think it, it pushes both ways, right? Hopkins really reduces kind of what initially people were excited about of him just being like the number two in that offense. But on the other hand, Ryan Tannehill is going to be a big upgrade. And on top of that, you still have that contingent value, right? If Hopkins or Burks get hurt, now all of a sudden you get Tannehill and the kind of condensed target share. So I think he still has a place on rosters, but I'm going to definitely end up under. And I'm going to take Kendra here for one of them. So he goes well with uh, Mike Evans, theoretically for week 17. And um, do I want another KC bring back? Hmm. <laughs> Would you go MVS or Rasheed Rice? Feels like MVS has been misappropriately oh. priced, but Rasheed Rice is now at a discount here. Look at my exposures and you can answer that. 12.3% Rashi Rice, 0.9%. <sighs> All right. Rasheed Rice, come on down. You'll be my pick here. MVS, though, is a starter. Like, I feel like he's going to be running the clear out routes. He'll be out there. I feel like that should matter a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to have to like reach ahead of ADP here for some running back so I don't get too boxed out. Um, Let's see. I think I'm probably just going to take Roshan here. I think when I have the Henry Taylor, he's like a guy I can sit on uh, a little bit. I'm not as worried about early season production here. Um, but yeah, I would have loved Kendra if you let him fall. Had to decide between Kendra and Eli Mitchell. So can it continue to buy that Eli Mitchell dip here? He falls all the way to pick 143. Also had the bet uh, on the Niners with Ayuk there. But yeah, we had Roshan Johnson as our running back four here. Are you with me that Kendra is the kind of player that wouldn't need to worry at all if the Saints brought in Kareem Hunt? Because I see the Eno Benjamin injury, then they bring in Kareem Hunt and talk with him and haven't even signed him yet. And I feel like that more shows where Kareem Hunt is, where he is the Eno Benjamin, like filling camp carries kind of guy. I don't think he hurts Kendra at all. I don't I don't think it matters. It's not great, but I don't think it matters at all for Kendra. Yeah, it like that's I read it completely as we just lost Eno Benjamin and our depth chart is very, very thin, especially mm -hmm. with Kamara missing a few games. So like they were never just gonna go into the season, you know, with just Kendra and Jamal Williams on the roster. They were always gonna have like a third back active. So it is a little scary just because Kareem Hunt profiles as a pass catching back, and you are hoping that Kendra Miller would have that role early on while Kamara is out. Um, but again, I don't, I don't think it's really changed the, the outlook. I think, I think the thesis is still the same for him. Um, and like Kareem Hunt looked legitimately washed at the end of last year, the Browns wanted nothing to do with him, made it through all of free agency. And unlike a guy like Dalvin cook, I don't know about you. I didn't hear anything about Kareem Hunt asking for wild amounts of money. I think he just wanted someone who wanted him. Um, and it even took an injury on a mediocre team for him to even land a job. So that doesn't seem like something we should be particularly concerned about. 
I think the Browns kind of spoiled the pot with him a little bit where, you know, these teams ask each other like, Hey, what do you think about this guy? What, like whatever, or they talk about it at the, at the combine. I know this cause we had football outsiders guys at the combine for the last few years. And uh, there's always a lot of gossip that goes on there amongst front, you know, front office team officials and Kareem Hunt, like the Browns legitimately did not like him. Like they, he wanted big money from him. Then he came back and was, I think a cantankerous part of that locker room. And if you're 28 and analytically, you're not throwing up a lot that matters. I think Kareem Hunt, like that's why he's getting this call is like he is in that category and he needs to like a lot of these guys, I think needed to accept being Latavius Murray where Latavius Murray comes in good for a locker room. He's going to get carries and be efficient with them. And I just don't think Kareem Hunt, if he ever gets to that point, whoa, Sean Tucker. <laughs> is that, is that a star trick there? Or, hey God, anytime you could correlate Taysom Hill and Sean Tucker in week 17, you got to do it. Wow. That is, I have not seen that name since the big board. <laughs> Sean Tucker, though, healthy. His heart's okay, so he'll be out there. But that is King Chosen going wild in the 11 hole. There you go. Uh, Sean Tucker is the chosen one right there. <laughs> I mean, you got to draft Sean Tucker when you have Nick Chubb, Najee Harris, and Miles Sanders because then Sean Tucker's the one who's going to be there in Week 17. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to see here. Is that a Star Trek? Is that what happened? Or is that just... Is this like when JGFC took Daenerys Prince in the 16th round and he said, he's a riser? Is it this person? Sean Tucker, he's a riser. I mean, is there any running backs left? I, we did see, yeah, no, I would take Mustard still. I would still take Ford. I'd still take Gainwell. So it's I not hope even there's like some running backs it. left because yeah. I need a couple of them. <laughs> there's guys you could still take who are not Sean Tucker. But yeah, if you if you love Sean Tucker, get him for free in the 18th, I would think. Um, Spags, I haven't done a, an on-camera coffee pour for the people. As I pour here, a reminder, we are doing our giveaway when we get to 15,000 subs, almost to 14.7, a little over 300 subs away. So if you guys are watching for the first time, subscribe to the channel and you can leave a comment on any of my 150 streamed Best Ball Mania 4 drafts and get entered into that giveaway. Three winners, $500 each, and now a coffee pour for you ASMR freaks. Ooh. Please don't moan while I'm doing this. Oh, look at that poor. I, okay, this is <laughs> the girth of that poor. Um, yeah, and if you know what, after you subscribe to the Peach channel, go over to the Splashplay channel and subscribe too, because it's a lot easier for Splashplay to hit 3,000 subs when Pete's got 15,000. So why don't you guys all just go march over there and help a brother out who's putting up five days a week of streams on the Splashplay channel and subscribe over there and get in the fun, Pete. I honestly got to tell you, streaming five days a week, liberating in some respects because the hours of content you could say whatever and people aren't ever going to catch up on the things <laughs> that you say that's that's your take is i could say whatever because people aren't watching um all right let's see here i am like when i look at my giant so i have always all these options for giant wide receivers um and i'm so heavy on wandale let's let's boost up a little hodgins here we do got that daniel jones we can get the double stack maybe we get to a triple stack but we'll grab uh hodgins there and i knew there was no chance you were gonna take this guy but irv smith will be my first pick and let me think through of what i can do for the second i mean i guess it's pretty obvious jordan love will be the second one here so irv smith come on down jordan love you're coming with him so Classic build for me. I'm taking a lot of Jordan Love down the home stretch, um, but him with Burrow, I feel like I haven't gotten a lot of. And that duo, I like that as a duo. I think, I, I think it's got some potential. I'm trying to see here if I can, who, uh, which running back I continue to play the hits on. I, I normally would just be grabbing Tajay Spears here, um, but I don't. Uh, that's one of those few like handcuffing situations I really don't like. Um, let's dance around the board here and go down. We do have our Christian Kirk. I love Chuba Hubbard. 
um, we will do a little Chuba and Christian Kirk correlation. They're probably done at running back with those five. Now, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Eli Mitchell, Roshan Johnson, and Chuba Hubbard. Chuba, the end of the usable running back tier, I feel like. I guess maybe Gus you can make a case for with Dobbins being a hold in at camp, but I feel like Chuba to me is like, ah, the running back run has ended, and now there's nobody else who actually has a role that could matter. Yeah, um, I am I am still kind of surprised that Chuba hasn't uh, risen. People just don't like him slash are infatuated with Miles Sanders. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure why he hasn't risen a bit. I'm also kind of surprised Spears hasn't. To be honest, like the way, you know, it, it's funny how the market is like, okay, I can envision a scenario where Tank Bigsby like overtakes ETN or steals mm -hmm. away like meaningful, you know, high value touches, whether at the goal line or whatever. But then when it comes to like Derrick Henry, it's like, oh, no, no, he's he's going to have 25 plus touches and Spears is going to be a zero until he gets hurt. It's just funny how people kind of arbitrarily guess how that standalone value is going to play out. But like with even the tank Bigsby pick, like he does not smash his ADP with a little bit of standalone value. Like he smashes his ADP because ETN gets hurt. And then the contingent value in that upside is sky high Spears offers that same thing with an even better playoff schedule. So I just think it's kind of funny that he's available so cheap relative to some of the other steamier rookie running back handcuffs. I think people forgot too with the Tennessee thing that last year, like they were really trying to give Dontrell Hilliard some touches that mattered. Like we're giving him red zone work. We're trying to target him a little bit more out of the backfield. And then, then they ended up kind of rolling that into Derrick Henry and making him look even better as a player. But I think the intent is to give somebody else who's not Derrick Henry some touches because he just can't keep handling this workload. Like I know we say that and it's, you know, whatever, and he might be fine again for another year. You keep giving a guy 350, 375 touches. Like that's, it's not great when a guy's, I think he's 31 now or 30. Somewhere in that range. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't know. I, I guess you could do, you know, I, I remember it was like a talking point a couple years ago. Uh, I think it was Herzig who had floated the like true handcuffing. I think he had used it in a Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison scenario where it's like, say Henry smashes, right? 12, 13 weeks and then gets injured. And then all of those Henry teams die in the playoffs. And then Spears, you have Spears and he comes in and mops it up in the playoffs takes advantage of that schedule, but it's like a pretty thin use case, right? When you, not only are you like guessing on how the team does and then, you know, yielding a lot of running back points, but you're also like trying to perfectly get those picks to sync up in a way that contributes to your overall score. So I don't know. I'm, I, I'm trying to see if I should have uh, entertained a little, little Spears, Henry handcucking, but I just can't get there. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hate the handcucking in general, but I, I think, it, you you made a good case for it, and it's about as good of a case as you can make. But you're still just better off, I would think. You know, trying to make the bet that you're right, and clearly the chance of Derrick Henry is going to be a lot more likely bet to be right. Mm -hmm. Um, Jalen Hyatt does go. I was going to entertain him as a triple stack. His his ADP kind of yo-yoing has been pretty funny this year. You know, when it opened up, people were really excited. Hey, we got a, a rookie in this ambiguous offense. Then uh, Paris Campbell had one good highlight at OTAs and it was like, we can't draft Jalen Hyatt anymore. And now Jalen Hyatt makes a highlight catch at training camp. And now we are aggressively drafting him again. God, drafters are fickle, fickle human beings. Yeah. And, and Darius Slayton, by the way, never moves. And there's athletic, there's a profile, which is actually pretty interesting about Darius Slayton talking about um, and the most recent one, his, his relationship with Daniel Jones, but I guess he's doing like a training camp diary and he's the guy who's going to be out there. Like Hodge and C will be out there. Um, whereas like Campbell and and Hyatt and all these guys for the most part been in that log jam of slot reps that Cole Beasley is in the mix. Still, you probably need to cut at some point. 
Um, but yeah, I think it's, you're right. That was just highlight driven. And it's like, nobody takes the guy because he's not putting up highlights. And that it's kind of an insane part of the training camp dichotomy. It really is. Um, let's see here. So I'm going to be done at quarterback done at running back. I'm going to take one more wide receiver and I'm probably taking two tight ends here. Um, you know what? Let's first get, you know who, who I want to grab? And, uh, you know, I've been a little influenced. Someone had a, a tweet about this guy yesterday. I wrote about him in the Fantasy Life newsletter. We kind of built out a little week 17 stack without the quarterback. Musgrave, Romeo Dobbs. Were you eyeing him right here? Yeah, I, I don't have a three tight end build, though, so it's okay. But, yeah, I oh, want as had... many Musgrave shares as possible. But I'm, I'm glad that you've been influenced by it. Let's, let's talk about that. But let me take first, I'm going to take Chase Brown um, as my running back six. I don't think I need a running back seven here. I could use a seventh receiver. Who else makes sense? New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Minnesota. Is there anybody from Green Bay left? No. Casey. Ugh. Do not like this pocket. I will take the guy that I just talked about. I'll take Darius Slayton here just because I think he's a good body in round 17. So the whole point of drafting Anthony Richardson's stacks is so you can take Michael Mayer with one of your last few picks, right? So we just double tap uh, rookie tight ends there, Musgrave and uh, and Mayer. I mean, your entire lineup is not necessarily one that I would have built, but boy, your last two tight ends here <laughs> really aligning with the AR part of it where I think these guys, it's been a mistake. They've been going this cheap all offseason long, but what's, what's selling you on Musgrave? Just the first team work and the fact that like he's pretty locked in, it looks like. Well, just like the idea of, you know, thinking about the arbitrage, you know, tight end prices and and really as far as it uh, pertains to rookie tight ends and, you know, having sticker shock on Kincaid, really liking Laporta, be being confused that Michael Mayer is cheap, having a portfolio of a lot of punt tight end teams and want like Musgrave checks those boxes of a guy that I want included there. And I think early on, he was almost similar to like a running back two, running back three, where we're like, is it Malik Davis? Is it Rico Doddle? And it's like, I might just burn a roster spot. I do think like when they had the two rookie tight ends and a lot of people liked, uh, what's his name? Tucker Craft mm -hmm. as well. I think there was some, you know, risk that Luke Musgrave was just going to be a dead roster spot. Um, now that we are getting confirmation that he played all what it was at 19 first team snaps with Jordan Love at that team practice night, that starts to give me the kind of confidence, hey, that's the same usage Laporta's getting with the Lions. That's the same usage Kincaid is getting with the Bills. And then you combine it with this wide open depth chart, right? Everyone likes Christian Watson. You know, Dobbs is a really polarizing guy. They don't have anything, you know, beyond that. And so there's so much room for one of these tight ends to step up. So considering I have a lot of Packers and I have pretty big stands on those guys, Musgrave is a guy I want to catch up on um, if I'm able to do it uh, in a cost-effective way. He's one of those guys where, like, I, I tweeted it out, as Pete mentioned, like, I have, a, I think, 11%, or I had 11% yesterday when I did that tweet. Now I'm up to 14%, so I've really been crushing the Musgrave. Um, but, like, for 11% on a guy that doesn't go drafted a lot of times or didn't go drafted most of the offseason, I think Musgrave is one of those pieces that, um, as he's starting to get drafted here, like, you know, getting to 8% would be pretty interesting. Even getting to 4 to 8%, you're probably going to be uh, pretty close to where the field is. But it's a downfield guy, as Pete talked about, like, you know, Jordan Love certainly looking uh, interesting so far in camp. But the thing that jumps out is they are throwing 50-yard bombs every single practice. And sometimes it goes to Dobbs. Sometimes it's going to Watson. Sometimes it's going to Musgrave. And Musgrave in college, he only played two games last year at Oregon State. But the two games were like 
downfield. He was getting targeted over and over again downfield in a way that tight ends usually are not targeted. And if he's that guy in the pros, like I think he's going to give you usable games from week one. Yeah, and I, I like to, like, I have two of these rushing quarterbacks, right, in Anthony Richardson and Daniel Jones, and I am building some correlation around them, but I also like the idea of building out a secondary stack to probably my favorite Week 17 game, and it is Packers and Vikings in that dome there. And so getting to be able to have Addison, Dobbs, and Musgrave, three players I could see being a very big part of that game, even though I don't have the quarterback, but I don't need it because I'm playing that through other QBs. I kind of like building out those secondary stacks. This is another one of those teams too, that we've drafted today or drafts that we did where because we both are correlated at some of these parts, we might have a better chance to advance together, which we are going to be tracking guys throughout the season. So keep that in mind. I have everything labeled so we can do that, uh, that leg work. But I think our Minnesota green Bay bets, maybe keep us a little more simpatico here. Um, OG saying, do another draft. Spags is going to do another draft on the Splash Play channel immediately following this one, and you are going to be spinning the wheel. How many teams left do you have to uh, to stack up? I have to stack up 10 more, including luminaries like the Buccaneers, the Browns, the Ooh. Bills, the Bengals, the Bears. Uh, but they're actually some good ones too. Niners, Eagles, Dolphins. So it'll be your dog shit team where I get sniped. I got sniped to oblivion on Friday, Pete. I could not complete a Ram stack. Couldn't get Cooper Cup because of where the draft slot aligned. Then got every Ram taken from me besides Cam Akers. And then got sniped on a Viking stack because our guy Chad was there. And he had to pair his Kirk Cousins with Justin Jefferson. How could you not? When you have all the BBM4 data, Pete, you got to take the chalkiest pairing possible. Oh, he came. His ears were burning there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chad, Chad got muted. I, I now mute people if they're in the chat and they also snipe me because it's like, you know, you're in the chat. I got to punish you a little bit for five minutes. Um, I was gonna, you know, I, I know I have so much Wandell Robinson, although it's finally coming down because I've taken my feet off the gas. I think I will do Josh Downs mm -hmm. here again. I don't have a lot of times where it makes a ton of sense uh, for me, but I only have one other Colt on this team. So getting a really cheap share of a guy who could come along the, for the ride down the stretch with Anthony Richardson, uh, I think makes sense here for my final and eighth wide receiver. So I'm between CEH still getting the first team work. I really felt like he was trending the wrong way when he missed a few practices, but it's not affecting things. But I could also take Terrace Marshall and just improve my receiver room a little bit. And I think I am going to go that way. So Pete, what's uh, give your team a final review here. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it here. As Tyler says, like, the stream here, we are trying, if you guys are sick of me doing this 15K promo, liking it helps us uh, get this in the algorithm, which results in more subs, which results in me uh, mercifully not having to do this promo anymore. So yes, like the stream here. And yes, Spags, we will head over to the completed drafts here to recap both of our 115th. You know, I don't dupe me, bro, on my best ball pacing over here. Yeah, that, that uh, was my, not even delivered either. I just happened to land there organically, even though I did watch your stream and I guess knew in the back of my head, maybe it was subconscious. I just want to be aligned with you. <laughs> so we end up with a 2583 build. Uh, we reach a teeny bit to get Anthony Richardson and then Daniel Jones comes back to us, which was nice. Uh, five running backs got that classic double anchor. My first Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor team. We rounded out with Eli Mitchell, Roshan Johnson and Chuba Hubbard. Wide receivers get to eight. Uh, Jamar Chase, Christian Kirk, Brandon Ayuk, Jordan Addison, Cortland Sutton, Romeo Dobbs, Isaiah Hodgins, and Josh Downs. And then three tight ends get Darren Waller there, as well as the apple of Spags' eye, Luke Musgrave, and another apple. How many apples does this guy have in his eye? Michael Mayer. Spags, what was your team? 
Uh, my team at QB, Joe Burrow and Jordan Love, two powerful names. A running back, Damian Pierce, A.J. Dillon, Brian Robinson, Samaje Pirine, scooping a lot of value. Kendra Miller and Chase Brown here to round it out for my Cincinnati stack. Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Christian Watson, Mike Evans, Kadarius Tony, Rasheed Rice, Darius Slayton, and Terrace Marshall, two nice late-round values at receiver. And then at tight end, T.J. Hawkinson, Irv Smith, I, Pete, I said it last week. I think we are both in our drafting strides here. We're stacking up nicely, getting nice pockets. You're even getting AR, so you win You win the draft, I think, <laughs> even though I like my team a lot. That's that's the key. That's how you get Spags to say that you won the draft is you just take all the players he likes, and then he has no choice but to uh, to say you won it. Would you have done – you would have done a three-tight end build with with Musgrave, which I, with Hawkinson, Herb, and Musgrave. Yeah, I just feel a lot more comfortable with three tight end builds. And I do think, you know, six running backs, seven receivers has been a nice build for me that I do hit a lot, but, um, but I didn't need it. So I think you maybe saved me for myself, but it, I'm just taking Musgrave anywhere just because I think he is the unique player, at least for, you know, for right now, uh, it's not enough lineups, but he, but he should be, and he definitely should be in love stacks, I think. Yeah. Um, and again, like, I think. I think Pat talked about this early in the offseason, and I think I used to struggle with this of not wanting to chase steam. And you hear me talking about it with like Calvin Ridley type stuff. But, you know, when the opportunity cost at the end of the draft is just not there, you know, like basically round 16, 17, 18, a lot of those guys, you know, probabilistically have a similar chance of hitting. I don't want to be afraid of steam in that range. Like a guy going from being mostly undrafted to being a 17th round pick. Like that, that, that's not bad steam to chase. And so a guy like Musgrave, it's like, oh no, everyone's drafting him. It's like, well, I want to get, I want to pack my bags in doing so at these costs. Um, it's not like I'm passing on way better players to chase steam. And so I am trying to think through it, how that works with some of those guys. And early in the off season, I think it was like that with guys like Jalen Warren, right? Where it's like, holy cow, he was essentially free and he's moving up. And you're like, do I really want to take him in the 15th, 16th round? Well, yeah, if he ends up settling in the 12th or 13th round, you're going to be happy to have chased that guy up board. So it's something I'm going to be thinking through down the stretch as more late round picks come into focus, you know? And I've yeah. been thinking about it a lot with those backfields. Like, are, have you started to draft any Malik Davis, uh, Rico Dottle? Like, are, are you entertaining any of those situations so i was thinking a little bit more about malik davis the depth chart thing i guess worries me a little bit i don't think it should but i think malik davis is the one there i really still thought rojo was going to emerge but then the p the pd whatever you know he says not pd suspensions for his heart uh, but that and then a groin injury again for rojo like i think that rojo is now out of that race does feel though like zeke could come back again i know it's been the thing looming for months but feels like he'd come back any minute now and it wouldn't be a shocker yeah, the Zeke one is is interesting to see where he lands. I do if Zeke doesn't end up back on the Cowboys, do you think Tony Pollard ends up like a one-two turn pick the final week or two of drafting? He's been coming up. I did a BMM yesterday where he went at 15. So I think he's getting pretty close to it. I he's probably got like a Nick Chubb range where he's gonna go um, you know, technically be at the second start of the second round, but he'll go in the first sometimes. But I think now that we're in casual season and they if they don't bring in a guy, uh, yeah, I think that he can be like, you know, maybe have like a 13.1 ADP, but go in the first pretty reliably. I, I've said this a few times, like specifically with the Dolphins backfield. I think you could even think about it with the Jets, the Patriots. Like there are entire backfields and multiple players within those backfields with all of their ADPs being pushed down because of the specter of a couple of these free agent running backs when there are more players being pushed down in ADP than there are veteran running backs to even end up on those teams. And so I do really think continuing to buy the dip on 
you know, the Patriots, the uh, the Jets, the the Dolphins, while all of this kind of hangs in the balance, is a really good strategy. Because, sure, could a bomb go off in one of those backfields? Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, Dalvin Cook signs with the Dolphins and everyone can laugh at me because I've been drafting all of these guys, sure. But again, when you just look at the pure probabilities, it's like less than a 30% chance that that happens. And so if you're scooping the value on those other teams where they don't end up, you're going to have a huge windfall because the ADP will then course correct. People will then be like, oh, you know, Zeke isn't going to Dallas. I'm going to start drafting Tony Pollard. Oh, Dalvin Cook isn't going to Miami. Guess I'll start taking a chain around where James Cook is going. Like that will happen, I think, once those dominoes fall. So we're all trying to build the best possible team in an individual room. Uh, don't draft scared, uh, get the best values you can, and then you'll uh, you'll profit across some of them. It's kind of like hydro planning. I think you want to steer into it, even though that feels counterintuitive, steer into the uncertainty a little bit more and just try to make a, try to make some benefit for yourself there. And A-Chain, I think now that the specter of Dalvin Cook has come down a little bit, you do see people reaching for A-Chain a little bit more again. So um, yeah, it's just, it's it, people like comfort. That is the one thing I feel like that didn't fully cement itself for me the last few years. But in basketball, people just want secure roles and to know that the guy's there and it's like, you can read the tea leaves on most of this stuff and get pretty close to what the, you know, the actual outcome is going to be. Yep. Um, Spags, 115 in the books. You're about to go do 116 over on the Splash Play channel. It will redirect here. Uh, otherwise, you guys can head over to the Splash Play channel. For me, Spags, I am doing uh, my weekly AMA in the Fantasy Life uh, Discord, little office hours there. If you guys want to come and talk shop, a little best ball, you can join me in there. And then on the club today, we're going to draft uh, weekly winners. We're going to do a weekly winners team. Um, I believe Hayden. Hayden might be joining us for that as well. Don't put it in ink. We were still going back and forth, but he just put out another big strategy article on weekly winners. And Spags have been trying to make a little bit more time for weekly winners because I am excited to have that sweat in season. So if you're interested in that, that'll be at 4.30. If people are dying for that content, so make sure to check that out. I know people have been asking me about it. I haven't been participating as much just because of the, the bandwidth that I have and you know all that. But I do think that there's an edge certainly at this point. And I would say, you know, I'm sure that underdog is want to talk about it, but a chance that overlays as well, which could affect things positively for you guys. Overlay the best thing you can always do to, to chase for your bankroll. So um, definitely check out that weekly winner, uh, weekly winner stream by Pete. All right, guys, uh, appreciate you. And then as usual, I will be back tomorrow morning for Best Ball Breakfast with Karain and Sean Siegel, August 8th Spags. It is, uh, it's, it's, I can't believe 115 down, 35 more Best Ball mm -hmm. Mania drafts for us. I have been enjoying doing a few of the pit bulls, did a couple fast, did a couple slows there. So, um, but the rooms are starting to feel more similar, like doing the on-stream draft compared to like the pit bull rooms. They're not as different as they were when I would say doing the chow chows on my own versus like best ball mania drafts in July. So the normies are here and it's a glorious time. Yeah. Where it is is really the 10 PM drafts uh, by yourself, not on stream. <laughs> I think Pete doesn't have that luxury, but for you guys, uh, that's what I would recommend for everybody out there, but definitely a fun time. 29 days left till NFL kickoff guys. So get your lineups in, start to build them out. If you're trying to max these tournaments or just want to get some bullets and get a sweat going a uh, good time to start doing that now. All right, guys, head over to the Splash Play channel right now. If you refresh your browser, you will uh, immediately be taken there, and Spags will be off to the races drafting another gross stack. Let's root for the Bucks. Let's make this guy draft Baker. <laughs> oh, great. See you, See you there, guys. Bye.